Good morning. Well, we're not doing Ecclesiastes today. We have finished it. So where are we heading into? Well, after much prayer and talk and convincing, uh, I'm going to go look at the book of Revelation. So you might like to turn with me to that book, to the book of Revelation, and we'll have a look at uh, an introduction. But also as an introduction, I, um, I wanted to go from my Luddat idea and go under this overhead. And Karen tried to do it for me and apparently I'd done it so small that it never would have showed up there anyway. You would have had to stand up here to see it. So, but I've done an overview of the whole book of Revelation, uh, all the verses, all the chapters, where they happen, the events in heaven, whether it's church age, whether it's the tribulation, uh, the events on earth, the second coming, the thousand year reign, eternity, and whether it again happens in heaven. And if you grab one of these after the, after the service, you'll see uh, just to, by looking at it where all the events in Revelation happen. And um, I've labelled them and they've got chapters. It's not necessarily what I'll be preaching in those chapters, uh, the length of them, but it shows the, um, where it's happening. And so you know that the seven bowls, the seven seal and the seven trumpets are all wrath of God poured out on earth and then you'll have all the verses with it. So they'll be available after. And just also, because we're going through the book of Revelation, I thought I'd give you an overview of future events because this is what we're going to be looking at in part. And so the overview of future events is there. Um, and so you can grab a, a, a sheet of that as well after the service. And that's how I will be teaching the book of Revelation. Uh, I teach it, uh, I, I believe uh, I'm a pre-trib and pre-tribulation and pre-millennial uh, teacher and that's how I'll be teaching the book of, uh, of uh, Revelation and when we go back into Daniel and other verses we'll be having a look at it then. I might even be able to teach on, on the rapture at some stage when we get there in the book of Revelation. So that's what uh, this church holds to, uh, pre-trib, pre-rapture um, and so that's what I'll be teaching, uh, teaching through. And so they'll be available, actually they're available down there. I didn't want to give them to you before the sermon because you'll be all studying them and not listening to me. So I'll give them to you after and, um, and so they'll be there for you. So we begin a study in the book of Revelation. But before we get into the text, I just want to put the book of Revelation into some kind of um, unity within the whole book. You see, the Bible is not just 66 uh, disjointed books that were just put together willy-nilly over thousands of years. There are unified, it's a unified book. It's, it's a unity in and of itself. And even though they were written thousands of years apart, to me, Genesis and Revelation are sister books. I'll explain that in a minute. Someone has well said that the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation are like two bookends that hold the Bible together. And I agree wholeheartedly with whoever said that. For instance, in Genesis we read about the creation, the first heaven and the first earth. The Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But in Revelation, that first heaven and first earth are going to pass away. And a new heaven and a new earth will come down 
And so that's the parallel from Genesis to Revelation. In in Genesis, you you read about Paradise Lost, the fact that Adam and Eve were created in a perfect environment but because of their rebellion against God, they were kicked out of the garden and the seraphim were put there with their, their swords. Don't, you'll never come back in again. But Revelation, on the other hand, teaches about when paradise is restored to us all. Well, at least to those who know and love God, paradise will be restored. So it's lost in Genesis, it's restored in Revelation. In Genesis, man is driven out of the garden. He was sold, you will not go near the tree of life. In Revelation, it's just the opposite. Man is invited back to the tree of life. In fact, it says, come and eat of the tree of life in Revelation. You might remember that Satan makes his entrance in Genesis and even as early as chapter 3, his doom is pronounced. Well, in Revelation, Satan's doom is executed. It's fulfilled. It happens. It's It's announced in Genesis and it is fulfilled in Revelation. In Genesis, we read about the first death when Cain killed his brother Abel. But we're told in in Revelation that there'll be no more death. In Genesis, we read about the first Adam's wife, Eve. But in Revelation 19 onwards, the focus is on the second Adam's wife, that is, Jesus Christ's wife, the church, the bride of Christ. Now, you could, uh, you could say that the history of mankind is a history of being formed in Genesis and then being disformed by sin and then being, being transformed by Jesus Christ. And Genesis and Revelation are indeed bookends. By the way, Genesis and Revelation are the two most attacked books in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever realized that. There's a lot of people that will tell you the book of Genesis, oh, it's just a myth. It's just stories handed down. Just, uh, they're just there. And some others might tell you that the book of Revelation is a mystery. Don't go to the book of Re- Re- Revelation. It's too mystified. It's too hard to unravel. And that's what I was told as soon as I became a Christian. Don't, don't go to Revelation. It's too hard to understand. Too hard to unravel. And so, as I've told many people, that's exactly where I went to start with, to the book of Revelation. In Genesis, people say you can't believe it. In Revelation, they say it's too complicated, you can't understand it. Well, I say poppycock, balderdash. That's wrong. In fact, in my, des- my desire as I study with you the book of Revelation is to show you how easily understood it is. And how we should have a desire to understand the book of Revelation. And that's what we're going to do. So let's open up to the book of Revelation. Let's look at chapter 1. I'm just going to do three verses this morning. And, uh, but I was amazed as I started to look at it just how much you can get out of three verses and how exciting it is for the book, for the rest of the book. Let's pick apart the, the first verses the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bond servants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bond servant John, 
who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. (coughs) So let's consider the title of the book. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if you have a King James Version, you might have a look above and it probably says the revelation of St. John the Divine. Even the one that I have, the revelation to John. That doesn't tell you enough. The title of the book is the first five words of verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not just a revelation to John, it's just not a revelation to us. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is the chief subject throughout the whole book of Revelation. And if we lose that thought as we're going through it, we will misinterpret it. This is what the whole book is about. It's about Jesus Christ. You see, in Revelation chapters 1 to 3, we're going to see him as the Christ, uh, exalted priest king. And he's ministering to the churches in the church age. Then in chapters 4 to 5, we're going to see him in heaven, glorified as the Lamb of God, reigning on the throne. And then in chapters 6 to 18, we're going to see him as the judge who judges all the earth. And in chapter 19... He's going to return as a conquering king. And then the book closes with the heavenly bridegroom ushering us, the church, his bride, into that glorious heavenly city. It's all about Christ. And so whatever we might gain as we study this book, my desire is that you get to know your Saviour better. Because to me, that's what it's all about. Getting to know Jesus Christ that much better. So the title of the book is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. But what does that word revelation mean? See, the word in the Greek is apocalypsis. And you can hear that you obviously, we obviously get that word apocalypse from that word revelation. And so when people come to the book of Revelation, their, their, their mind and their heart is setting on looking at all the apocalypse that happens. You see, today, apocalypse has become a synonym for chaos and catastrophe. If you say something is apocalyptic, it means it's a catastrophe. Um, The new X-Men movie, X-Men Apocalypse, you know, it's, it's all about chaos and things happening and wars. But that's not the Greek meaning. I want us to understand that straight away. The meaning of the Greek word apocalypsis is to unveil or unwrap something. You can imagine in the the city of Adelaide if we commissioned an architect to to sculpture a beautiful uh, uh, sculpture in front of the Parliament House. And so he sets up a canvas around him and over him and no one can see what he's doing. And he works on this large uh, monument for months. Nobody can see what he's doing. And finally he finishes his work. And the time comes for the unveiling of the statue. No one has any idea what's behind this veil. No one. And the crowd is gathered and the band's playing and you know what happens at openings. They, they pull a rope and down comes the sheet and there's this statue. It's, been, it's in apocalypsis. It's now been revealed to you. This statue that you didn't know before, you didn't know what it looked like before, now it's been revealed to you. It's revealed to, for everyone to see what it's all about. And that's what the word revelation means. It's the apocalypse, it's the revealing of Jesus Christ. 
things were once hidden and when John wrote this book in the early AD 90s, it is Jesus Christ has now been exposed. The veil has been pulled down and the revelation has happened about Jesus Christ. In other words, Revelation is a book in which God makes known His plans and His purposes concerning His Son to us, His church. It's God's prophecy about His Son, actually. Now, it's interesting, when Daniel finished writing his prophecy, he was instructed in chapter 12, verse 4 of Daniel, it says to shut up the words and seal the book. So Daniel wrote it, he prophesied, And he was told to shut up the words and seal the book. Why? Because the time was not right. But John was given the opposite instructions. Look at Revelation chapter 22 verse 10. This is John's instructions compared to Daniel's. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. So when Daniel wrote his prophecy, the time was not near. The time is near. And why is the time near? Because since Calvary, since the resurrection, since the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God has now ushered in the last days. Just turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. It's the clearest two verses on how we can see how God has ushered in the last days. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in in the prophets and in many portions and in many ways, so God had spoke long ago to the fathers through the prophets in many ways. But then he says, God in these last days has spoken to us in his Son whom he anointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And so in these last days that have now been ushered in, God is speaking to us in his Son. And what is the book that we're about to look at? The revealing of his Son. God is speaking to us through the book of Revelation, through his Son. And so we're not to seal up the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is near. But let me give you a caution. If you're interested in the book of Revelation solely because you're fascinated about what is going to happen in the end times, then you won't be satisfied with this study. And the reason I say that is because that's not the purpose of the book. It's not the purpose of the book to to focus in on those things. John's prophecy is about and re- the revealing of Jesus Christ, not the revealing of future events. Now, future events are going to happen. We're going to see them. But if we focus in on them and not on Christ, we're going to miss the whole point of the book of Revelation. We will discover things about the end times. Don't get me wrong. But primarily, the purpose of this book is to reveal Jesus Christ to you and to me. Everything else is a consequence of his revealing. You see, until John wrote this book in the AD 90s, Christ was largely working, if you like, behind a sheet like that sculptor was. People knew a few things and John and uh, and 
Paul wrote a few things, but the picture wasn't really clear until apocalypsis, until the revealing. Now it's exposed for all of us to see and we can see Jesus Christ in all his glory. So this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who's the author? And straight away we say, well, it's John. But this is the only book in the Bible that I could find that just puts it so wonderfully this way. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, so God gave the revelation to Jesus Christ so that Jesus Christ should, could show his bondservants, who are we, the things which must soon take place. I want you to understand that God gave the revelation of Jesus Christ to Jesus Christ. I find this so fascinating that Jesus is still doing the will of the Father. And we'll find later on, and the Scriptures tell us, the only time that Jesus Christ will hand over uh, the universe to his Father is when he has his, his foot on the neck of, of the evil one. And so I just found that fascinating, that Jesus Christ had to, be, had to be shown by God the things that are in this book. And then it says that Jesus, having received it from God, shared it with John using his angel as a go-between. Fascinating. Now we will see Christ talking to John himself. We will see elders talking to John. We will see angels talking to John. We'll see voices or hear voices from heaven telling John what to say and what to do. But ultimately the author, we're told, is God. Now we all know that all scripture is inspired by God. It's God breathed. But this is the only book that says God gave it to Jesus Christ who gave it to us. He also gave it to John via his angel so that he could write it. I find that so interesting and exciting. The book is the revelation of Jesus. The author is God using John the Apostle through an angel. But who's it written for? We might as well find out if you're part of the audience. And most would say maybe what it says in verse 4. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. And so sometimes we say, well, that's just for them. It wasn't meant for us. It was meant for those seven churches and no one else. But um, verse 1 lets us know it's more extensive than that. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his bondservants. See, this book is given to all servants of Jesus Christ that's you and me that's all born again believers his doulos his servants the ones who serve him out of love and devotion it's not given to anyone else it's given to you as born again believers and that's why unbelievers including liberal theologians find the book of revelation incomprehensible they don't understand it because it wasn't intended for them. It was never intended for anyone outside the kingdom of God. In fact, anyone that reads it that is not born again is just reading someone else's email. It's not meant for them. It's meant for us. It's shown to, to those who are bondservants of Christ. You see, some people study this book because they, 
they want they don't want to see prophecy. They, I call them prophecy junkies, and they just want to know what's going to happen in the future. And so they write paragraph after paragraph on what the third eye on the fourth head of the beast means. And they go through it with a fine tooth, trying to work out what all of it means. Missing again the point that it's all about Christ. This book is not written to somebody who just wants to figure out the future. It was given by the Father to the Son so that he may show those who willingly serve him all about himself. He's been revealed. And in fact, while this book was originally sent to the seven actual local churches in Asia Minor, John makes it clear that any believer may read this and profit from it. And we see that in verse 3. (coughs) Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. So God promises you and I a special blessing if we read it or hear it but more importantly, obey it. I'm going to mention this a little bit later on in closing. So the book of Revelation, the book is called the the Revelation of Jesus Christ. The author is God using John, written to all of us, written to all born-again believers. And then it goes on to say, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his bondservants and then the things which must soon take place. Now at this point you might say, wait a minute, this book was written back in AD 90, well over 1900 years ago, it hasn't happened yet, so why does John write, or God tell John to write, that we're gonna be, it's coming soon, well things will take soon, place soon. Why is that the case? A lot of people get turned off by that and say that was 1900 years ago. It still hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. But we forget that God's soon, maybe not our soon. See, our soon is related to our age, you know, or how many years we've got. Soon is related in time. But God's soon is so much different. We get that from 2 Peter 3.8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Uh, the Lord's soon is so much different than ours. But it's the word, the Greek word takos, which we need to just quickly have a look at because they translate that as soon, uh, soon or suddenly things which must suddenly take place, that when the revelation begins, it will begin with great rapidity. They think that the word takos always refers to speed rather than a time span. But that's not the primary meaning of this word in the context of revelation. The idea is not speed. He's not coming quickly like the flash. I said I've watched all the episodes of the flash over the last, uh, last few months. He's not coming quickly like the flash. He's coming soon. The nearness of his coming. In other words, the way I look at it, the knowledge of the events that are depicted in the book of Revelation are soon to take place. And if that's the case, if that knowledge, if we have that knowledge that the events are soon to take place because God says so, 
then our motivation should always be to live a holy and obedient life, don't you think? If that's what the sooner means, it soon is going to take place. So what is our motivation? Second Peter says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. See, that's the function of this book, to help us to understand that all these things are going to take place soon. And if we're looking for these things, Peter says, then are you ready to be found by Christ when he comes spotless and in peace? What's your anticipation of what's happening next? Our anticipation as we read this book should be the next thing that happens on God's calendar is his return to take his church to be with him, which is the beginning of the tribulation. That is, should be our anticipation and that is picked up in the book of Revelation because he says this is going to happen soon. What are you anticipating? Are you anticipating what's going to happen soon or are you entrenched in this world so you're not even thinking about what's going to happen soon? <coughs> Where is your anticipation at the moment? What are you anticipating? Well, the book of Revelation wants us to understand that these things are happening soon and our anticipation should be with that. So the book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The author is God, written for all servants of Jesus Christ. And he's showing us the things which must soon take place. Our anticipation should be towards that. Now, I could leave verses 1 and 2 and move on to verse 3 here, talk about the blessing of reading this book. But before I do, I want to show you something interesting, a little obscured in the English. I want us to go back to verse 1 again. And at the end of verse 1, it says, And he uh, sent, and com- that's Jesus Christ, sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. Now, that, that sounds all interesting. I just read over it. The New King James Version says, And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. I want to pick up on that word signified or communicated in the NASB because it is important. How was the message given to John through his angel? It was signified, it was communicated. In fact, the Greek word semeno means to show by a sign. See, in Revelation, the noun form of this word is translated as sign in in chapter 15, as a wonder in Revelation 12, as a miracle in Revelation 19. In fact, that word communicated in your Bibles or signified is the same word used in the Gospel of John for all the miracles of Jesus Christ. So we could translate the last part of verse 1, and he sent the message with signs and wonders and miracles by his angel to his bondservant John. That's how he communicated. We think of communication, he just spoke the words. But the angel giving it to John (coughs) used signs and wonders and miracles. And so as we study this book, we we need to expect to encounter a great deal of signs and wonders. That's the angel's way of communicating. We need to expect that there will be symbolism. But I want us to know right now, much of that symbolism is related to the Old Testament. 
In fact, 300 or just under 300 uh, verses in the book of Revelation relates back to the Old Testament. And so in order to understand the book of Revelation, we need to understand that it has been communicated to John through signs and wonders and miracles. And there will be a lot of that. But don't get put off by it. If there are symbolic, symbolic parts in Revelation, then we will take them symbolically. But at the same time, we're going to look for the literal truth behind the symbols. The symbols aren't there for no reason. <coughs> in fact, symbolism is used because that's what was shown to, to John. But there's another reason I, which I love, and that is that symbolism conveys more information than just a, an ordinary word. For instance, John could have written, a dictator will rule the world. But instead, John was shown a beast and all that that entails. So instead of just saying dictator, we have a, we have a symbol of a beast. The symbol says much more about the, that man than the mere title of a dictator. Even instead of explaining the world system, John simply introduced as it as the Babylon the Great. And the very name Babylon would, would have conveyed deep spiritual truth to the readers of, of the Old Testament, keeping in mind that I haven't mentioned that yet, that, that the time of tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble. It was for the Jews. And so that's why there's a lot of Old Testament symbolism being brought into it in Revelation because the readers and the, the, what was happening was for the Jews. However, in understanding the, the angel's symbolism to John, we must be very careful not to allow, allow our imaginations to run wild because the fact is biblical symbols are, are consistent with the whole of the Bible biblical revelation as I said nearly 300 references to the Old Testament are found in this book in fact revelation amplifies what was only initially suggested in the Old Testament what was suggested down there what was prophesied is now shown in the book of Revelation and so this means we must anchor our interpretation of revelation to what God has already revealed in the Old Testament we must anchor it to that. Otherwise, we're going to go off on tangents that we'll never get back from. We will misinterpret if we don't understand this prophetic book from the fact that God has already revealed what, start, what it started in the Old Testament. I'll go as far as to say, unless you know the Old Testament scriptures, then understanding Revelation is impossible. I really believe that. Unless you understood the Old Testament, you will not understand Revelation. So I'll tell you that we will be referring back to the Old Testament quite frequently as we go through this book. And we will find that some symbols are explained in Revelation. We will find that others are understood as we go back in the Old Testament but there will be still some symbols that aren't explained at all. It will be an interesting journey, I can assure you. 
So let's finish with verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. There's also a similar beatitude in chapter 22 verse 7 of, uh, at the end of Revelation. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. That's found in 22.7. So what are we being told in these two verses, one at the beginning and one at the end? Well, first of all, the three participles in verse 3, translated reads, hear and heed, are in the present tense. In other words, reading, hearing and more importantly, obeying are the truths that you are being taught in Revelation. They're the way we are to be now in our lives as believers. Again, why? Because the time is near. Behold, I am coming quickly, he says. And so we are to live the life that is a, that, uh, a godly life because we don't know when that time may come. It could come, well, probably will come before I even finish this book. The fact remains. Again, we're sent straight back to Second Peter. Therefore, beloved, since you look at these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. The book of Revelation is God's final word to you, to me. The book of Revelation is the culmination of divine revelation throughout the whole of Scripture. Its writing is marked, uh, the writing marked the completion of the canon of Scripture. Its scope, in its scope, it encompasses the entire future sweep of redemptive history. Therefore, surely, as we read this book, it's imperative that we as believers pay attention, diligent attention to the truth it contains. And as you do, you will be blessed. I don't know what the blessing is. It doesn't really matter, does it? If you hear and read it and obey it, you will be blessed. That's all I need to know. The return of Christ is imminent. In fact, it's the next event on God's prophetic calendar. Christ's return has always been the church's hope in the past. The return of Christ is also our hope in the present. Amen. You see, in closing, uh, we often talk about the last words of Jesus Christ and we sometimes go to the cross. Sometimes we think about the Great Commission before he ascended into heaven and those last words that he spoke there. But do you want to know what his last words were? Well, you need to look at chapter 22, verse 20. There he says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. They're the last words that Jesus Christ left us. He had last words on the cross and he had last words before he went up and ascended to his disciples. But the last words that we have heard from Jesus Christ in the Scriptures is, I am coming quickly. He's coming quickly. He's coming suddenly. He's coming soon. And I love what John had to say after that, on that in that verse. He said, Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. 
we uh, often shorten it by saying Maranatha, which is an Aramaic word talking about come Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ will return. His return is near. So I'm asking you as we go through this book of Revelation to be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we have your wonderful word, that we have this wonderful book. Father, you started in Genesis. You started us, the world. In the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth. And Lord, now, as we've gone through the whole Bible, as we know parts of it, we reach a book that tells us that that world, that thing that you have made is going to be destroyed because of sin. But we're very thankful that we're not left in the dark. We have the exact movements of each of us, of the tribulation saints, of those who come to know you, of those who move into the millennial kingdom, those who are transported to the new heavens and the new earth. Lord, you give us all these things. You give us the judgment when the, when the, the books are opened. In fact, Lord, uh, judgment is, is there when you open the books. If your name is not there, you are thrown into the lake of fire, which is second death. Lord, it's a, a mysterious book, but you have shown us. It's not a mystery anymore. You have given it to us. It's an open book. It's in our own language. We can understand it. We can read it. But help us to focus in on the knowledge that it's been written for the revelation of your Son and that we may see that revealing and how, how glorious your Son is and that, Father, we will be transformed into waiting, anticipating the return of your glorious Son as we see what's next on the calendar. We thank you for this book. We thank you for this time to go through it. May you bless us all as we read it and hear it and obey it. And we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.